I kind of feel that living in student accommodation is part of the whole university experience. Even if you only do it for your first year, come down and do it. You know, as Ewan said, there's lots of support, there's great facilities, and it's just... A, there's goat yoga. Yeah, there's goat <laughs> yoga. I mean, what more could you want? There's free buns and, yeah. you know, tea and coffee. And, you know, there's, there's lots going on. And particularly if you're living away from home for the first time, it's a great opportunity to meet people, make friends. And I think it's a bit of reassurance for your parents or guardians to know that there's that bit of support there as well. There's always somebody um, looking out for you and there's always somebody you can talk to as well, which you're not really going to get in private accommodation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Queen's University Belfast Life at the Lanyon podcast. For those that don't know, the Lanyon building sits at the heart of our campus here at Queen's, and it's one of the most beautiful, renowned buildings across Belfast. My name is Raymond Miller, and I'm the undergraduate recruitment officer here at Queen's. And today, our podcast is all about Queen's accommodation, your home from home. I'm joined here by a couple of guests who work in Queen's accommodation. We have Ewan and Claire. So, guys, I'll let you introduce yourselves. Hi, my name's Ewan. I'm the International Allocations Coordinator within Queen's Accommodation. Hi, my name's Claire. I'm one of the Residential Life Coordinators, currently based up in BT9, but we also cover the other sites as well. So Ewan, you're currently doing that allocations role. Prior to that, you did something different, isn't that right? Yeah, I was a Residential Fees Assistant. Okay. And you're moving soon to a new role within Accommodation, yeah. is that right? <laughs> I'm moving to be a Residential Life Coordinator like Claire, so... So basically, what's the space? Ewan could be running accommodation. <laughs> he, he, he's working his way around. He's working out what's best for trying him. Trying each department. He's trying, trying them all out to work out what's best. But it's good that you have that wealth of experience across the accommodation and you can kind of draw upon your experience in this podcast. So we'll get a really good insight. Um, first thing I want to talk about in terms of accommodation. How many accommodation locations do we actually have at Queen's? Where are they? And... How do people kind of decide between one accommodation or the other? So, so let's start with what are the different types of accommodation that we have here at Queen's? So generally speaking, our three main sites would be BT9, which is also known as the Elm Student Village. Uh, that's just down on the Malone Road, just south of the university. Uh, and then we have two city centre locations, so BT1, uh, which is up opposite Inst, the school up there near City Hall. Uh, and then you've got BT2, which is just near the Grand Central Hotel on McClintock Street. And BT129... Postcodes, I assume. Is that why they're yeah. called? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because some some people are probably like, "What is all this BT <laughs> stuff about?" So that's the postcode where they're located across Belfast. Yeah, they are. Okay, excellent. Um, so you have those three different uh, locations. In terms of number of rooms, does it vary between the three? Uh, the number of rooms available. So how many rooms are kind of in each one? I think generally speaking, you know, around around eighteen hundred to two thousand in the Elms Village. Okay, uh, and then BT Two is a little bit smaller than BT One. Well, seven hundred and forty-seven exactly. Very precise. And I know that because uh, the Boeing seven four seven. That's how I remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so in total, you're talking around three and a half thousand rooms. Uh, there's kind of three, about three hundred in BT Two, but I'm not hundred yeah. percent in the exact number there. But so yeah, roughly three thousand. So there's there's plenty of kind of spaces available, and um. The types of rooms, I assume they're not all the same as well. You, you know, you're going to have different room types in each of those locations. 
You do. Most of our options are ensuite. You know, it's certainly proved to be quite a popular option, you know, as student accommodation developed over the years. We do have some standard options, which would be shared facilities. So you don't tend to have, you know, for example, a flat of 10 or 11 people. Uh, you'd have at least a couple of shower rooms and a couple of separate toilets as well. Uh, what that does is it lets us bring the price down on that. So, you know, generally speaking, they're at least 20, 30 pound a week cheaper. Uh, so it's a really good affordable option. Still have all the same other facilities that the ensuite rooms have, uh, but just provides a little bit of a cheaper alternative. And on price, Ian, what are we talking? Like, people out there are told all the time that, you know, our accommodation is some of the cheapest, the living in Belfast is some of the cheapest. What actually is the rent kind of ranging from? What does it start at and what does it go to? So generally speaking, so standard option, which would be the one with shared facilities, uh, is around £110 per week. Now, that price has pretty much stayed the same for the last couple of years. Uh, ensuite options are a tiny bit more expensive, so you're looking between 140 to 150 per week, depending on which site you choose. Yeah. Uh, just one one of them is a little bit more expensive than the other two. Uh, still very, very affordable in comparison to either private alternatives or, or the public sector. And I suppose what makes that even more of an uh, affordable option is that I assume that price, there's no kind of hidden cost. You get no. your, all your our bills and stuff included within yep. that, Claire. So yep. your bills, utility bills. TV license in the communal areas. Yeah. And the big thing as well I find is that people don't realise is if there's any issues, they get resolved quickly. Yeah. Whereas if you're living in landlord accommodation and say your boiler isn't working, you could wait you know, over a week or sometimes yeah, weeks exactly, for it to be fixed, whereas any issues are resolved are really quickly. In house. So, yeah. yeah, no, that's good. So that, that price that you described, they're kind of 110, did you say, to kind of 150-ish? Is that roughly? Around that price, yeah. That will include your, your heating, your hot water, your electricity, your Wi-Fi bill, I assume. Yeah, Wi-Fi. Um, there's insurance attached to living accommodation. Yeah. So all of those things that you would have to pay outside of your standard rent is all included within yep. the price for our accommodation, which is a really uh, big plus point. And rooms obviously are furnished as well. You've got your bed, your mattress, um, your storage, which again, some most landlords will include, but some won't. So some, Yeah, no, it's a good point to make because you're paying your rent, you're paying your bills and you arrive and you've nowhere to sit. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's yeah. another thing you have to yeah. consider. I think it's also worth mentioning as well, things like, you know, internet and heating and everything. It's not, we don't base it on usage. Um, so you can pretty much within reason use as much as you want. I know certainly myself and other friends that have been students, you know, you had to, you know, switch the heating off because yeah. you couldn't afford it. Here it's all covered. You can leave it on all day if you want. <laughs> so if the bills are going up, it's because the students are leaving it all on yeah. all day. Um, but no, that's it is a fair point. You know, obviously most people will do that within reason. But if you do kind of forget to turn your heating off for a couple of hours, you're well, not going to be. There is timers and things, so yeah, that probably helps yeah. as well. You know, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So if we if we look at each of those three accommodation locations that you mentioned, Jane, BT Nine, Elms Village, I assume it has like a village feel. Is that kind of the type of people who want to kind of live in a wee village? Is that the type of people that, that would live there? A little bit. It's got a really social feel to it. I tend to describe it as whenever you've seen, you know, an American movie where you've got a campus. Yeah. It looks a bit like that. Yeah, um, it's a real community feeling, BT9. Um, you know, and we've got the treehouse in the middle, um, which is our social space, which we'll obviously talk a little bit more about later on. But that's kind of like the central hub where people get together and meet up. So, And in terms of years... Would first years primarily go into Elms BT9 or who who would live there primarily? 
Yeah, so generally speaking, so BT9 is open to anyone that's become, coming into their first year that's between 18 and 21. Mature students, which would be 21 and upwards, we would tend to you know encourage towards the city centre locations a little bit more suitable for them. BT9 also does have you know certain areas that are cordoned off for family accommodation and postgraduate accommodation, but the, the sole focus of most of the site is for first year students. And I suppose another part of that is the fact that there are so many people there. It's the biggest accommodation location. You're going to meet more people more first years there. It probably helps you settle into university life a wee bit more yep. by living in Elms. Uh, okay, next one then, BT1. So who's the type of student that... I assume first years can still move into BT1 yep, or BT2. absolutely, yeah. But primarily most would go to BT9. Yeah, you would find the majority would go to BT9 because they've heard about BT9 and they've heard, you know, the atmosphere and they've heard, you know, about events and things that go on. But there are um, sort of so social events going on in BT1 and 2 as well. So I wouldn't want people to think that by choosing BT1 or 2, it's going to be a quiet building yeah. with, with nothing happening. We've got residential life teams down there as well. So Excellent. Um, so BT1, somebody that wants to live in the city centre, somebody that wants to, I don't know, um grab a coffee, go out into the city. Is it, is it is that kind of the personality type you would think would be living in the city centre? That kind of style. I mean, one other thing that's really cool about BT1 um, and BT2 can access this too is it's got its own on-site gym. Um, and as part of the accommodation package, that gym's run by Queen Sport um, and they do classes in there. The actual quality of the equipment is exactly the same as the stuff we would have in the main PC centre. Um, so, you know, compared to kind of maybe private gyms I've seen in other accommodations in the past, the quality is amazing. That's really good. So... For those who are supposed to give context, for those living in BT9, Elms Village, you're quite close to the Physical Education yeah. Centre, which has a gym. So for those living in the city centre, you still have that access to the, the, the BT1 gym. Yeah. Could people living in BT2 use the BT1 gym? Yep, and they do quite often, yeah. That's good. Uh, so it's good that you have the, kind of that gym access in the city centre as well as um, close to BT9. And then BT2 then, quite slightly smaller than BT1, um, Again, the type of student that lives in there could be first year. Um, I think there's kind of a myth that maybe more international students would live in the city centre. Is that true or not? I think international students are attracted to the city centre because if a lot of local students would know about BT9 yeah. and maybe have their brothers or sisters have been in Elms Village. Maybe they've, you know, visited friends in Elms Village so they tend to know about BT9. Whereas I think when international students are looking at accommodation, they're looking at, oh great, that's near the city centre. That's convenient if we want to get a job. Um, you know, so they're thinking about how far it is from the university, but how far it is from a social life as well. No, I think that's um, a good so point. I think that's why it would appeal to international students. So I suppose to summarise, whether you're international, domestic, first year or otherwise, you can apply to live in any of those three that we've described. Yeah. But primarily, it would be first year students going to Elms BT9. Mostly, yeah. More of a more of a village feel, more of a community spirit. Maybe a few more activities going on, but that's not to say that the other ones don't also have activities. Absolutely, yeah. So one thing I would say in terms of there's a little bit of a misconception that BT9 is really close to the university and BT1 and 2 are miles away. Yeah, yeah. Um, BT1, BT9 is the closest because it's only about a 15 minute walk from the front gate of the Elms Village to the front gate of the university. BT1 and BT2 are actually still within about a 25 minute walk. It's not yeah. far. And there is a direct Translink bus route that goes straight past the university from outside both. Other locations that we have then that students may choose to, to live in, what are our other options and when would you think about those other options yeah so we do have a number of other you know sites within the city so places like mount charles um 
76 Mile Road, Grant House place like that. So some of them are open to undergraduates. Some of them are more for postgraduate students. So you may think if you're looking, you know, looking to be in accommodation again when you look at doing a master's or something like that, there are options for those too. Uh, we have certain ones that are set aside for um, for students that maybe want, you know, again, a, a slightly quieter feel. Some, so we have certain options that are kind of set aside as quiet living options. Um, and again, we have also had a couple of sites in the past couple of years. We ran a an Irish language pilot scheme uh, where students wanted to, you know, either we were either studying Irish or spoke Irish as part of their as part of their lifestyle um, that they you know could could do that within an accommodation setting and so they set aside one of the external properties for that a couple of years ago just to, to try that out so after first year there may be other options for you you could choose to go live in the city centre in private accommodation or there may be other options for you uh, in terms of Queen's accommodation as well um, and that's good and I suppose if people are listening to this or watching this how do they go and Look at rooms, look at pictures. I assume all this information is on your guys' website, is that yeah, right? Yeah, Queen's Accommodation website. Basically just type QB Accommodation into Google and it'll get you there and all everything you need to know. Lots of pictures, contact details as well. So they can even pick up the phone and, you know, give reception a ring, even give one of us a ring and we're happy to answer any questions too. Most people who are thinking about coming to Queen's will probably see the accommodation as part of maybe an open day or an offer holder day or some sort of visit. Is there scope to see the accommodation or do we tend to keep it to those kind of open days and offer holder days? Generally speaking, we would we would keep it to the offer holder off holder days. You know, generally speaking, the last couple of ones we've had have been around three thousand people turning up, so they've been really really popular. Tours every half an hour, so they're, they're a really good opportunity to see it in full swing. Uh, as as Claire mentioned, in terms of the rest of the year, we don't tend to do too much in the way of in person tours. Uh, again, it can be based on availability, and if they come through one of the main site teams, then maybe the opportunity to look at it. Uh, but the accommodation website has videos, virtual tours, photos. It's, it's actually a really good way of looking and still getting a good feel. Um, in terms of you know, if people actually just want to come down and walk around the main the main BT nine site or around outside the buildings, they are welcome to do that throughout the year. We may not be able to accompany them uh, just due to staffing levels at the time, um, but they're more than welcome to come down and have a look look around still get the feel of the place i think if i was starting first year again i'd want to go to bt1 get access to that gym i yeah. think that's a that's a nice <laughs> it's a perk. big bonus so people out there thinking right you've sold it to me it sounds great how do you actually apply when do you apply what do you do in terms of the application process so in terms of applying, generally speaking, around February time is when it opens. We will release a, a certain date uh, year on year as to when people can apply from. Now, people do panic a little bit. They think, oh, I need to put my application straight away, otherwise I'm going to miss out. The application period actually lasts from around February time to the 30th of June. And you can pretty much apply throughout that entire period. Your only class is a late applicant if you apply after the 30th of June. We do put guarantees in place. So the current allocation policy when it comes to applying is that as long as someone has picked Queen's is their firm choice of university and they've applied by the 30th of June. International students, GB and Republic of Ireland students, if they hit all of those criteria, they're guaranteed accommodation. Northern Irish students, again, preference is given. They're not guaranteed accommodation, but preference is given to anyone that applies before the 30th of June. And whilst people, when we introduced that part of the policy, worried a little bit, they thought, oh, no, we're not guaranteed, so we're not going to get accommodation. Given the number of rooms we've got and the fact we're still increasing that year on year, we've found based on the two years that we've run that policy, we've had more than enough accommodation. Even people that have applied late have still got in. So everybody apply between February and the 30th of June. Um, international ROI GB students, guaranteed a room if you do that. And if you make a uh, their firm choice, firm choice yeah. that's the other point. 
one thing to also to mention is if we've got anyone that's watching that is coming through clearing, so they've not got into their first choice university and are planning to come to Queen's through clearing, we do each year put aside a set number of rooms in preparation for results day because we know that we're going to have this huge influx of students that you know didn't get into their first choice university and now coming to Queen's are still going to need somewhere to live. So obviously there's not as many rooms as there would be for people that are applying for Queen's their first choice, but if people are coming through clearing, we do set aside a number of rooms for that. Excellent. So when people are applying, you would obviously put down some preferences, I assume, in terms of the, the rooms. Can you, how many choices do you make or how does that actually work? So we've broken it down a little bit this year. It used to be, you know, you could go up to 10 choices. You can still add those if you want. We encourage students to pick uh, options one to six, really, with one being their firm choice and six being their their least, you know, their least favorite choice out of the ones they've chosen. And again, they can be quite specific with it. So they could say BT1, and within BT1, I'd prefer to be in a, in a four-bed flat or a five-bed or a six-bed. Um, BT1 and 2 have those different options where they're four, five, and six-bed options. Uh, BT9, all the flats are really between 10 or 11 people. And can they choose to say people are currently in school and they want to live with a friend? Can you kind of put that preference down or does it, does it not work like that? We, we get that all the time, yeah. <laughs> particularly with domestic students where a lot of people would be coming with people maybe they know. Um, what we've said this year is that we can't guarantee it by any means. You know, if everyone said that, that it'd be, it would be impossible to yeah. kind of put those together. We do still say, you know, if you'd really like that, put it in the notes. There's, a, there's an, an additional information box where people can put anything else they want us to consider. They can put that option down. You know, I'd like to live with Jess and you know put her full name or something like that and you know if if we can make it work we'll make it work we just don't guarantee it no, i think the that's one fair thing enough. we're saying is both parties would need to put that in their notes because one person could want to live with the friend yeah. but the other person <laughs> might not want to so it, we would advise that both parties put it in their notes they'll be like yeah yeah i'll put it in my form and they're like delete <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> um no i think it's good to know that that you know, if you will try and accommodate that as best as you can to kind of live with friends. And for some people that can be comforting initially, but I suppose whenever you're you're thinking about moving to accommodation, it's about meeting new people as well. It's not just about yeah. the same old. And if your friends are living somewhere else, you can still meet up with them. You know, it's, yeah. it's not going to be a massive issue. For people out there who are maybe thinking for, for whatever reason, they maybe want to live in, you know, same sex accommodation. They don't want to live with people who are maybe having alcohol. Are those options is there any other options that people can choose yeah so we have some lifestyle options that we've set aside for people that maybe have specific requirements the main ones being single sex um so people from the opposite sex aren't allowed into the flat at any point so there'll be you know if you've got a personal preference or for religious reasons you need to have that kind of accommodation layout we have that option available and that is for both male and female uh, we have a no alcohol option, which again, the, you know, the consumption of alcohol is not allowed at any time. Now, again, you know, you, you tend to, you wouldn't usually be put in that accommodation option unless you've picked that. Uh, but that option is open to people as well. Um, and then quiet living as well. So, if, you know, if, you've, if you're still in a really in intensive course where you need a little bit of quiet. Obviously, you know, we would still encourage a social life. We'd still encourage people to, you know, to get out there and, and you know, enjoy their time at university. But people have chosen that option um, for the reason of, you know, having their flat be quite a quiet place and a more study-focused environment. I think it's important to know that those options are there for people, you know, especially if it's, you know, like you say, an intensive course or for religious reasons. Those are all important things yeah. um, to, to consider when you're choosing accommodation. So when it comes to actually allocating rooms, so you've, you've had a look at the accommodation, you've maybe visited it, you're, you love the look of it, you've applied to live wherever you've applied to live with, with or without your friend, maybe your friend <laughs> has, has ditched you on the application. Um, when will you find out if you've actually been allocated a room then after you apply by the 30th of June? So the main allocation part, 
section of the year happens from results day onwards. Uh, so what we encourage students is, you know, we start allocating on the 17th and we just have a, a block of the 17th of August, which is usually when results day is. And then we just have a block of about three weeks where we're just working constantly allocating. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone will find out on the 17th. So again, we get people that call us at the end of the 17th kind of not heard. Oh, have I not got a place? You know, it's not worth panicking. Uh, you know, we just encourage people just check your accommodation uh, email address, which whatever you've given us is your main email address uh, throughout the next few days. Keep an eye out. Again, those guarantees are in place to try and give a bit of reassurance. You know, if you're someone from the Republic of Ireland and, you know, it's got to the 18th and you're like, I've not heard anything yet. You know, did, did you did you make your first choice? Did you put did you apply by the 30th of June? If you did, you can be guaranteed a room anyway. So yeah. you don't need to worry. Just wait. Results time is a difficult time for people. You know, some have got the results, others haven't. So having that extra thing of whether or not I'm going to get a room, it can be, um, you know, it can be a worrying time for people. But having that guarantee for a lot of students is great. And I suppose if you know that you've applied by the deadline, it is a case of just sitting tight yeah. and waiting until uh, you get allocated a room. So then I assume there's a there's a big moving in day where everybody yeah. moves in or is moving in staggered or how does the moving in process work, Claire? Um, we generally do have our main check-in days. Um, I know in previous years um, there's been like check-in day for local students and check-in day for international students. I'm not too sure this year if it's going to be... I don't think there's anything in, in place to kind of separate the two. Yeah. There is, you know, I think it's yeah. more just a main... Just yeah. a main check-in day. Check-in day is my absolute favourite day. I absolutely love it. I love seeing everybody come down with their families. It's a great buzz, great atmosphere. We have the tree house open, tea, coffees, usually some tray bakes as well. Um, you know, people can use the pool tables, table tennis. So even with their families, we would see a lot of families would go up, have a look at the room and then come back down to the tree house and, you know, enjoy the social space. And It, it, must, be, it must be quite an emotional time too. You know, oh, people yeah. moving away from home. Yeah. Parents will probably be really excited for them, but equally yeah. a bit, you know, apprehensive. So a lot of emotions going yeah. on. But I imagine everyone moving in on that day, meeting people for the first time, seeing your room for the first time. It must be a really lovely atmosphere. Yeah, it is. It's really exciting. And yeah, you do see a little bit of emotion, but it's really exciting at the same time. And we sort of absorb that excitement as well. So it's a, it's a good day for Brilliant. us too. And then I suppose all the staff are there to kind of help yeah. people move in. It's not yeah. like you you rock up, you're chucked the key and away yeah. you go. It's the one day of the year when pretty much every staff member's on duty. Um, so th there's lots of buzz and activity, but there's also lots of staff about. So if you need anything, there's always somebody about to give you a hand. Excellent. Now in this podcast, we like to do what's called a myth buster section. Yeah. So sometimes students will, will come to myself as a recruitment officer. I'm sure they ask you guys these questions as well, but we kind of want to see if these myths are true or false or, or chat around them a wee bit. So the first one is that student accommodation is really dated and old and a bit of a mess. That's a direct quote <laughs> from a student. I asked a student the other day and I was like, what was your perception before you came to Queen's? And they said, it's, it's going to be really old. It's going to be really dated and it's going to be a mess. Is that the case? Um, no. Um, I mean, we have on-site maintenance teams. So, you know, the advantage to being in um, like Queen's accommodation over private accommodation, we have a maintenance team on site. If there's any issues, any problems, anything that needs fixed, it usually gets done pretty quickly. Um, we have also got a fantastic housekeeping team as well, and they keep on top of all the communal areas. Um, what I yeah. will say... Yeah, they're not going to go into your room. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. So it's really up to the students what way they want to live in their personal areas. You know, if, if you keep your room a mess, that's entirely up to you. And even in a way, the 
communal kitchens and things. Um, I mean, if you've got 11 people that don't clear up after themselves, well, you know, that's going to be the environment you're living in. But generally we find that, you know, because you're living as a group, most students would sort of clear up after themselves and look after themselves and work well as a team. We help in that, residential life help in that, because um, we would support students if they want us to help them with cleaning rotas. Um, a lot of students have never lived away from home, so they don't know how to clean. And that's where we can support as well. We can give advice and um, generally sort of be their parents for the first few weeks and just support them where we can. It's a bit like me. I go to my <laughs> wife because I don't know how to clean. Either, like. um, I think one other thing to mention as well in terms of you mentioned, you know, is, is it dated? I think, well, BT1 and BT2 were only built in 2018. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're really new comparatively. One thing we've heard a lot at open days, you know, particularly people with, with parents in Northern Ireland or even from the Republic is that, um, you know, they'll say, oh, the Elms, that's where the towers are, isn't it? Because way back in the day, kind of, they would have been these big tall tower yeah. blocks down there. They I, I never even knew that. So yeah. there were big towers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not <laughs> like that now. Yeah. It's no, no. Village phase, yeah. So we, we have a rolling refurbishment plan um, and there is a full so life cycle in place for the next few years, you know, in terms of, okay, these blocks need to be refurbished. I mean, the ones that got refurbished last year, so some of um, some of our ensuite build buildings within BT9, look amazing. They're really, really good. We also then updated the treehouse as well. So as Claire mentioned, the treehouse, you know, was is, it, is, is the social centre. We've moved reception there as well. There's the coffee bar there. There's brand new, there's a karaoke room, yeah. <laughs> which is great. Uh, there's a full breakout area um, you know, there's hosting kitchens hosting so kitchen. you can actually bring friends and family to the Elms Treehouse and have a bit of a party in one of our kitchens I was down at the start of this year actually yeah. uh, one of your colleagues showed me around the treehouse and I was like this is yeah. unbelievable like I'm not even just saying this those hosting kitchens are class yeah, they're do brilliant. you know when you want to bring friends and family across and yeah. you're maybe in a communal kitchen or you're all trying to eat in your room yeah. having that space where you can bring everybody have a meal around the table it, it's brilliant yeah. like, and there's an outdoor area as well say, for the area, summer it's fantastic yeah, yeah. really um, really good no I, I'm thinking of like maybe hosting my kids next birthday party on it or something it's, it's honestly brilliant <laughs> yeah it is really it is really, really, good. really really good so I think we have we've squashed that one it's not dated it's not old it's not a mess it's new it's constantly being refurbished and there's loads of amazing facilities there if you don't like your room you have to stay there all year Probably that's going to happen at some point for people. So is there processes in place uh, for people to move rooms if they need to? And when would that be? Generally, we wouldn't encourage um, room moves in the first sort of few weeks or even months because there is that adjustment and settling in period. So especially, you know, if you've never lived away from home, you could walk in and go, oh, this isn't for me. But moving isn't necessarily going to solve the problem. It's more of an adjustment in the settling in period. So we would rather let that period pass first. And um, if people still are feeling that way, they can come and talk to the residential life team, for example, or they can talk to allocations and sort of talk to us about why they feel they're not comfortable in that space. And and really, if it is something that's going to affect their well-being, then yes, um, there is opportunities there to move room. But we would usually try and encourage students to resolve the issues first. There's going to be a, a lot of people that move out of home for the first time. They're going to be feeling a bit anxious. And it is, like you say, it's not a room thing. It's just a situation thing. And yeah. Getting used to being away from home. And then, as you say there, Claire, our well-being of our students is absolutely paramount. So if it yeah. is going to affect your well-being, it will be something that, that we can look into moving. So um, that's a thank you for, for explaining that. The next one then, it can be lonely in student accommodation. 
quite a negative tone. Yeah. <laughs> we've been so busy, quite a negative. But I'm sure it can be lonely for people at times. You know, they're mo- we've just said they're moving away for the yeah. first time. Do you have the experience that that people are feeling? Yeah, a bit lonely? I mean, it's only natural. Again, moving away from everything you've known in the past. Um, you know, when you've got your own bedroom, so it can happen where students sort of do feel that loneliness because it's different to everything they've known before. Um, but the one thing I will say is that, um, you know, that's part of my role as residential life coordinator. We're doing everything we can to promote a community environment. We've got lots going on. Um, so, you know, there's lots of ways to get involved and meet people. You don't have to come as part of a group. Some people think, oh, I, I would only go if, if my friend comes with me. But no, you know, lots of people come on their own to trips, to events. And that's how you meet people and, and make friends. Again, part main part of our role is making sure the students are supported and, um, you know, signposting them in the right direction if they are struggling. Um, so you know, there's people that they can talk to and we can suggest ways of, you know, getting involved or, you know, if if you do feel that you want to speak to somebody more on a one-to-one basis, that's something that we can arrange and signpost as well. Yeah, like you said there, it is inevitable. Some people are going to feel lonely. Others are going to jump into accommodation. It's just going to be like straight away they're going to have an amazing experience others there will be a bit of an adjustment but I think the really interesting and important thing there is that there is a support available yeah. and you will be supported and we don't just pay lip service to that like there's so much support at Queen's for any students that are suffering with anything and loneliness and accommodation is one of those key yeah, things so it's absolutely. great that you guys are, are in place to help with that we've talked a lot about their the application process the rooms a wee bit about what it's like and we'll talk about that a bit more in a second but what are the other elements of accommodation that people maybe don't expect so the one that always stands out to me is security there is there's 24 hour security at our accommodation location isn't that right so within bt9 we have a security barrier um you know people can walk around uh, you know in terms of students they don't have to you know beep in every time they come in and out of the village the way that it works is throughout the day you know visitors and people can come and go as they please you know there is a security guard there throughout the day overnight there is then you know a security guard at the barrier and an increased security presence on site and you know after a certain time people will just get challenged can you just show us your student card just to prove you're a student especially for parents maybe watching you know that gives a little bit of reassurance that you know you can't and you know Anyone can't just walk on, yeah. you know, they need, there needs to be kind of some form of proving. And, you know, but at the same time, it's not obstructive. So the students that live here, I'm thinking, why am I getting challenged going into my own yes, house? Yeah. Um, BT1 and 2, again, they've got you know, reception there between 8am and 8pm. And again, they have to beep into the building uh, with their with their key fob. Uh, and then at night time, there's security around as well. And in BT1 and 2, even though there's not a security guard on site 24 hours a day, there is a safety team just at the other end of the phone. So if they did that they needed to speak to somebody from the safety team there is always someone available excellent good to know the other thing i wanted to mention was and you've already touched on it was the the cleaning service and that they offer through the housekeepers so it is just to verify it is just communal areas but when we're talking about communal areas we're talking about communal kitchens and sort of social spaces what other areas would they kind of clean? Well, in terms of the communal areas, it does differ a little bit between Elms Village and city centre accommodation. So in Elms Village, BT9, the housekeepers would um, sort of do a light clean of the kitchen area. And if you're a shared bathroom cell, you know, do a light clean of those. But again, we do still encourage students 
to clean up their own mess because it's not fair in the housekeepers coming in and, you know, emptying overflowing bins or, you know, trying to clean dish or sinks that are full of dishes. In BT 1 and 2, though, however, the housekeepers don't go into the communal kitchens. Everyone has an ensuite room in BT 1 and 2, so they're responsible for cleaning their own bathroom. And the housekeepers don't clean the communal kitchens. The reason for this is because it's slightly smaller flats Whereas in BT9, it would, you'd be sharing 10 to 11 yeah. people. In BT1 and 2, you'd be sharing maximum five or six. six yeah. yeah, six would be the maximum. So again, we do encourage students to, um, you know, get together as a group and arrange cleaning rotas and things like that. The other thing I heard, and I wasn't sure on it, there's a laundry service, but it's not people are going to do your laundry. No. It, no, it, there's, there's like washers and dryers and stuff on site. Um, so you still have to do some washing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's amazing that you have those facilities yeah. so that people, you know, you, you maybe pay a small fee for those, is it? Or how yeah, do they work? Yeah, it is. It's an, an outside company called Circuit Laundry that um, oversee it all. But again, um, all the laundry rooms are quite close to reception or residential life. So again, if you've never used a washing machine before, there's sure, always somebody yeah. that can show you and give you a bit of a hand. Amazing. So there are those other elements to it. The last thing I um, a student told me about, there's a postal service whereby if you get a package delivered to accommodation, you just go pick it up at reception, they yeah. sign for it and stuff. Yeah. So um, when the parcels arrive, reception log it onto our computerized parcel system, which would then automatically send the student an email to say it's ready to collect. And you can come and collect it. Um, as you can imagine, in September, there's a lot oh. of parcels. So you may get a notification from Amazon that your parcels arrived. But you do need to wait for the email from the reception team because they need yeah. a bit of time to log up. I suppose the good thing about that is you're not making any trips to the post office because you've you yeah. missed the delivery. So all your parcels Absolutely. are going to get delivered. Yeah, there's no reason why... Um, a parcel would be left anywhere or taken back to the depot because we can look after all parcels. Even if you're gone home for a couple of weeks, we'll actually hang on to your parcels for up to a month. So if you go home for a couple of weeks or you're away on holiday, your parcel will be there when you get back. Excellent. Now, Claire, you've spoken a few times about residential life and that is your role. want to chat specifically about that for a couple of minutes. So what, what and who are the residential life team and what do you guys actually do? Okay, so the residential life team, we have residential life coordinators based in BT9, BT1 and BT2 at the minute. Um, and they're employed staff yeah, from the university? Yeah, they're Queen's staff. Um, so our role really is to promote student well-being, to provide support. And then there's also the fun side of the job as well. We do events and trips and basically lots of fun activities um, to encourage people to get involved and, you know, make friends. And um, we also have a team of residential assistants that are students. Now, the one thing about being a residential assistant is you need to have lived in student accommodation before. So quite a, a lot of our residential assistants are returning students, um, but we also have residential assistants that are new to Queen's but have lived in student accommodation. Maybe they're postgraduates and did their undergraduate in a different university. So first thing I want to touch on there is tell me about some of these <coughs> events and trips. Yeah. And can I come along? Yes. <laughs> to be honest, although all our events and trips are geared towards students, particularly the events, there's no reason why you can't come along. So I mean, by of, all means. What, yeah. what sort of stuff are we yeah, talking here? So you mentioned karaoke earlier. Yeah. I'm a big fan of karaoke. <laughs> yeah, like. karaoke open mic nights. Um, 
the funny thing, we laugh about it quite often. The most popular events that we run involve food. <laughs> uh, you know, students, you know, we all love a free meal somewhere yeah. along the line. Um, luckily this year we had some fantastic bakers and cooks on our res um, as part of the residential assistant team. So we've had cinnamon roll night. We've had potluck dinners. Um, we've had Valentine's cookies. Um, mocktails has, uh, has been a big hit as well. Um, but apart from food, we also do like craft events. Um, one big hit this year was a, a crochet event that we ran. So it was it was a big hit. Um, we also had karaoke, open mic nights, um, and also quizzes. I love a quiz. Yeah, well, um, that's uh, we have had a couple of quizzes, but that's something that we're planning to pay more focus to next year because quizzes are really really popular. Bingo as well, you know, all the kind of traditional stuff too. And all this happens within the accommodation locations. Yeah. You know, it'll happen in the treehouse. It'll happen yeah. in in the social spaces in BT one or two. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, amazing. And then are there, 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 those are kind of events and house events. Are there trips that you guys yeah. do outside of the, the campus? Yep. So during the main academic year, up until exam period, really, we run a trip once a week, usually on a Saturday. Um, actually, we usually run one on a Saturday and a Sunday um, during the main part of the year. And some of the trips this year have been ice skating. We went ice skating. Uh, we, a new one for this year was goat yoga. Goat yoga. Yeah, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we got some pictures up in the treehouse and on our socials. So if anybody wants to well, have a got, look at that. What is goat yoga? You got to explain that so one to me. Goat yoga is basically we take the students to a big barn. Um, we've got a yoga instructor there and there's little pygmy goats just basically running free. Amazing. So while you're doing your salute to the sun or whatever, the your, the goat could be on your on shoulders your <laughs> or nibbling at your feet. But um, say everybody really, really enjoyed that. So we'll definitely be doing that again next year. Um, at the start of the academic year, we do quite a lot of sort of shopping trips to help people get set, set up in their rooms. So there'll be the likes of Ikea, um, Asian supermarket. Um, the, we've done a trip up to Forest side shopping centre as well and um, so things like that that are actually going to help students and um, so it, it means that they don't need to bring everything with them yes. they know that we're we'll head up to Ikea and they can pick up all their bits and pieces too. I thought recording podcasts was fun I want to be a residential <laughs> life coordinator that yeah, sounds amazing. It is fun. There's all those things happening and you mentioned that the residential assistants help with that yeah and that they have to have lived in, in Queen's accommodation and um, um, they have to have lived in student accommodation, student accommodation sorry, yeah okay yeah um I assume if anyone out there is thinking, I would love to do that at some stage, I assume there's there's perks to that. There's going to be the obvious perks of helping run those events and yeah. gaining the skills from those, communication skills, leadership, organisation. Do they get paid? Do they get money mm -hmm. off their rent? How does how does that work for them? So um, it has actually changed quite recently. Um, the, the residential assistants now get paid through QWork. Um, so, and we guarantee them 15 hours a week of paid work in within accommodation so the sort of um rules that they would be carrying out would be running our free coffee bar which i didn't mention before we do have free coffee bars in all sites for the students to come along like and all the time yeah. all day um in elms village it's all day um we're looking at possibly doing it all day in the city center but because they're smaller um accommodations yeah. we're maybe going to trial it and see how popular it is um, but certainly in the evenings on all sites there's free coffee bars 
free tea and coffee. So the residential assistants would be helping to run that. Um, they would also be doing drop-ins the, in the accommodations, in the communal kitchens. So that gives students who live in accommodation an opportunity to ask questions. But the residential assistants will also keep an eye um, and see if they see anything maybe that needs fixed or if there's any housekeeping issues, they would report them back to us or communicate with the students if they feel that there's something that the, the students could be doing to make their environment more comfortable too. You mentioned there about maintenance, and that's mm-hmm. inevitable of, of living away from home. So things are going to need fixed or, or, or done up, and we have a maintenance team in place. Yeah. What kind of things might go wrong, or does anything <laughs> go wrong? Surely not too much goes wrong, does it? Uh, well, to be honest, I mean, it's like any sort of accommodation, you know, things things happen. Um, unexpected can happen but again maybe a leak or yeah, your yeah. shower's not working all yeah, those things and your staff yeah. there to, to kind of sort it the maintenance team are actually on 24-hour call out as well so you know if something is an emergency and it goes wrong at two o'clock in the morning we can call somebody yeah. out to sort it i mean we're not going to call somebody out at two o'clock in the morning to change a light bulb but yeah you know there is somebody always available if if need be what has there been any 2am call outs oh a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, did, I did hear one where literally the, we, had a, we had a student that kind of said, you know, the, called the emergency line and was like, my, my lights won't turn off. Like this is... Won't you know, turn off? Won't turn off. Like, you know, I can't, I can't go to sleep. Like there's this automatic light. It won't turn off, you know. And, you know, this is two in the morning. Yeah. You know, they give give the guy the, the guy a call, you know, a, a shout and kind of said, look, can you come out? You know, this is this is the case. Came out, you know, was there to, to help fix the student's light. You know, where's the automatic light that won't turn off? It wasn't actually an automatic light. It had a light switch that they'd not seen. Oh, my God. So he literally got in and was like, light off, fixed. But he did it. You know? <laughs> he did. He, he fixed did. the problem. Yeah. My goodness, imagine 2 a.m. Oh. The, automatic, the automatic lights aren't working. We've had similar situations with heating as well, where, you know, especially in the winter, if heating's not working, it is a call light. Yeah. Um, and we've had a maintenance engineer come out and basically turn on the radiator, <laughs> which is, yeah. So it sounds like there's nothing wrong with Queen's accommodation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> People just don't know how to turn on light switches yeah. and turn on heating. Oh, you know. um, but I suppose, again, it's important to note that for those wee maintenance things that can go wrong and will crop up in any accommodation, there's staff there that can yeah. can help with that. Hundred percent. Amazing. Okay, folks, I'm going to um kind of sum up and summarize sort of final thoughts. So if there's anyone out there listening to this and thinks that sounds great, watching this and they're thinking I'd love to live in Queen's accommodation, what would be your bit of advice to anybody that's thinking of moving into Queen's accommodation? Firstly, don't panic. As, as I've tried to reiterate a few times with there's so many different areas, particularly with the application process and choosing where they're going to be. And, you know, there's so much support within Queen's accommodation. Just call us or ask, you know, the, the, there's a reception team. If there's anything people need, you know, help with in terms of that, it's the allocations team in terms of, you know, the, the application in terms of room types and like that, you know, if people worrying about what life's going to be like there. There's a whole residential life team as Claire's mentioned, um, you know, so there's so much support there, but I suppose if you're applying or if you've got any questions, ask them, check the website, call us, email us. We'd, we, we're, we're here to help. People kind of feel they're bothering us by giving us a call. It's our job. like So um, I'd say that's probably my biggest tip. I kind of feel that living in student accommodation is part of the whole university experience. Even if you only do it for your first year, come down and do it. You know, as Ewan said, there's lots of support. There's great facilities. And it's just... A, there's goat yoga. Yeah, there's goat <laughs> yoga. I mean, what more could you want? There's 
free buns and yeah. you know tea and coffee and you know there's there's lots going on and particularly if you're living away from home for the first time it's a great opportunity to meet people make friends and I think it's a bit of reassurance for your parents or guardians to know that there's that bit of support there as well. There's always somebody um, looking out for you and there's always somebody you can talk to as well, which you're not really going to get in private accommodation. Amazing. Both of you, thank you so much for joining us today. That's been really, really insightful, really, really helpful. Um, and I don't know about you, but I'm going straight to the treehouse to get some free yeah. tea and coffee. <laughs> I'm going to go and Google goat yoga. Yeah. <laughs> no idea. Yeah, we'll make sure that happens next year too. <laughs> thank you both so much for joining us. And thank you everyone for listening to this or watching this podcast. If you do need any more information about the accommodation at Queen's, you can obviously check out their website, as the guys uh, said, or you can email studentrecruitment at qub.ac.uk and we will forward any questions to the guys that you might have. Thank you very much for listening and hopefully see you all on the next episode of Life at the Lanyon podcast.